for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock as we head into the season final of the V8 Supercar Championship. It's going to be a thrilling weekend, Craig. It will be, Tony. It's always great to uh, see a championship come down to the wire and just think if it can be as exciting as the WRC was last weekend up on the Coffs Coast. Uh, Destination New South Wales will have had a a very, very uh, profitable uh, motorsport experience over the past two weeks. Indeed, and could it be something like the uh, 2017 final at Newcastle? I doubt that. I doubt that. (laughs) Bathurst seems to turn up a great win every year, but, uh, gee, can Newcastle do it is a a huge question. I've I've got a feeling one way or the other I think it's decided on Saturday. Indeed, indeed. Well, it's been a a fascinating build-up to this... uh, race because there's a whole bunch of things that are still not settled even though the another week's time the the, uh, the season will be over um, still obviously cars are being built for the new year but we've got a whole bunch of different things such as uh, Winterbottom and uh, Tickford Racing settling on their driver lineup uh, you've got LeBrock um, who's obviously uh, done very well this year um, fortunately I think we've got Erebus they've settled on there too with Anton backing up for another season. Um, you've got two of the seats at uh, Kelly Racing or Kelly Motorsport still to be finalised, um, as well as Blanchard's driver. Of course, he's decided to step down. So there are a lot of things uh, certainly still in the air. Yes, I, I don't know how that's all going to pan out. and We'll certainly see over the next couple of days. One man we're speaking to later on in the show is Scott Pye and uh, I know you've been doing the numbers there and uh, he's had a season best finish and... Uh, yes, and, yep. Yep, sorry. He's going to have his best ever season um, uh, since he's been in supercars. He's driven of course for three different teams in that time um, but uh, Walkinshaw's or to give him their full name, Walkinshaw Andretti United um, have done a very good job. Um, James Courtney's had some bad luck along the way, but Scott has certainly shone on a number of occasions and uh, yet again has shown himself to be a a driver who's certainly got uh, far more in his future coming up. Um, So we're having a chat with uh, Scott Pye. That will be uh, a wonderful moment. He's, of course, in a different world now because he's not a full-time race driver. He's got his own business. That'll be interesting to find out a bit more about. Yeah. The other interesting thing about this weekend is it's the last hurrah for the Falcon, Tony. And uh, it's had an interesting existence, of course. Uh, For a while there, you didn't see a Falcon on a track in the Australian Touring Car Championship because... you could get a Mustang or a Sierra that would do a much better job, much cheaper for you. Well, fortunately, that's not the case the last 20 years, but now with both the Falcon and Commodore not being produced in this country, it certainly is uh, leaning towards where we're buying a, a, uh, an imported Commodore and you can no longer buy a big Ford. You've got to buy a smaller Ford if you want a sedan or you buy a Mustang. 
And certainly that's going to be fantastic because there's an enormous amount of development been happening with the Mustang with plenty of drivers jumping out and having a, a pedal. Um, which leads us to TCI. There's lots of developments in that category as well. Yes, the uh, launch at Eastern Creek, we saw that, along with the Super 5000s too, I should mention, or the Super 5000, and uh, Chaz Mostert in a Hyundai getting some laps in there. And One of the quotes that uh, I took a lot away from is they're actually quite comparable to a GT3 car in terms of driver satisfaction. That is a a huge statement uh, in my mind that uh, could see um, an interesting interesting opportunity there for drivers who want to have that experience but uh, don't have the GT3 budget. Um, James Moffat was uh, in a Honda Civic, which uh, David Wall Racing had worked on some of the preparations for it. Um, Luke Yulden was driving in uh, the Volvo, I think it was, with Tony D'Alberto and Leanne Tander, who uh, drove an Audi R3 with Macaulay Jones. So uh, a lot of familiar names involved in the uh, TCR first test at Sydney Motorsport Park. And, of course, they've confirmed that they're running on the Shannon's National Series. So uh, they'll be running on Michelin tyres. So uh, they've got all locked away now they've got the calendar locked away so the question is how many cars will they get onto the grid and i think that's what everyone is uh waiting to see and then if any drivers might be doing double duty in the supercar series and the tcr series that'll be another interesting one i i think we can be assured that we'll see a lot of the co-drivers uh making their mark there Indeed. Um, do we know how many manufacturers have uh, said Hyundai um, are, are they? I believe Hyundai. I think Hyundai, um, Audi. Well, see, they're all they're all really uh, manufacturers' cars because they're all manufacturer programs. So unlike the supercars, uh-huh. where teams are doing it all themselves extensively once they get the kit, uh, this is a, a factory car that you're buying and uh, putting it on the track. So I guess where is the manufacturer involvement? That uh, could be the question that uh, you need to ask and look at, but I'm sure people are going to be looking at uh, the TCR series with interest and uh, how it progresses. Uh, going back to uh, the matters at hand, though, Tony, whilst everyone's been looking at that uh, championship battle, an interesting thing's occurring back there in third place where... Craig Lowndes is only, what, 32 points behind Jamie Winkup in the uh, championship podium battle. Yes, well, I'm sure he will be very keen to uh, maybe go out with a, a second in the championship. Roland, of course, uh, probably won't mind either way whether it's Craig or Jamie that uh, gets the job done because they'll probably end up with at least uh, second, third and fourth, uh, you know, which... Uh, if uh, Shane doesn't do the job on Scotty. And that's an interesting one, of course. We've got to look back to Pukukoi and say that, that Scotty came out on the Sunday. He got pole position, a very small margin, but he got pole position and won the race and thereby remained the same gap that came into that final second last round um, of 14 points. And so I, I, I feel that Scotty may well have, as he, he's talked about, grown uh, that much uh, from last year to this. 
Yep, it's going to be uh, an interesting battle down there. Of course, as we know, the team's championship is done and dusted, uh, so that will be uh, Red Bull in the first garage next year. Um, interesting, uh, Brad Jones's year, another sponsor on the car, this time Timken, stepping up to the plate there, and Nissan's uh, going pink to, for breast cancer awareness on all four cars in this finale. Uh, and, of course, um, Brad Jones racing with Tim Blanchard and uh, rather uh, Nick Perkett and Tim Slade will uh, be probably getting their best season for quite some years, maybe back as far as the days when Brad was driving, because uh, Nick has certainly stepped up and Tim as well, and they've done really well. Anyway, coming up after the break, we'll be getting to uh, Scott Pye to talk of his year this and next year. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Well, Scott Pye joins us on the line, and as Tony mentioned before the break, Scott, you're in for your best season in Supercars Championship uh, going to be guaranteed a top 10 spot no matter how it plays out on the weekend uh, I guess uh, a solid result and, and you'd be very happy with how this year's panned out Yeah definitely you know it's been a, a pretty long season and we've had uh, I guess a lull in the middle of the season which hurt us a little bit but uh, but other than that those few events we've really been been pretty solid inside the top 10 so you know it's it's Bittersweet, it'd be nice to be uh, battling in the top five, but certainly to to be, I think, eighth at the moment is, is not too bad, you know, considering that we have had those couple of tough events. And uh, first championship points win out there in the Australian Grand Prix. So just so many highlights for this year. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, that one was, was certainly something I'm never going to forget. So really cool to get that first one. Unfortunately, we haven't had one since, and... Uh, I guess that's the, the the thing with this championship. You know, it's just so competitive, and there really are only a few guys that are regularly winning races at the the front. Um, but you know, to get that first one under my belt, it's it's a monkey off the back, I guess. And uh, and looking forward to getting that next one. That's for sure. What do you think heading into Newcastle is going to be the uh, the big advantage for you and your team? Oh, I don't know about advantage. I mean, it's not not a home event for anyone or anything like that, and it's a street circuit, so it's going to be uh, obviously a place as well we've only run once before. And I think we, we rolled out of the truck reasonably competitive, but we struggled as the weekend progressed. But I think uh, I think for me, I, I enjoyed the circuit. Like I said, we, we came out of I think first practice. We were right up there. So it's a place that I got on well with straight away and, uh, and certainly had a good time there. But I think... Most of the drivers probably have the same opinion. It's a pretty crazy uh, circuit that we all enjoyed, and we're looking forward to going back there. I, I think, you know, I, I think that we're in for a good showing. We've, we've certainly improved the car over the, the season so far, and, and you know, with it being the last event, you really want to go out with with a great result. And I, I'm sure that 
we have a, a much better package than we had last year. So, you know, like I said, there's no real advantage, but we've uh, we've worked pretty hard, and I think we're we're in a good position to get a solid result. One of the things we saw uh, last year is it's a pretty tight track. There's not too much they're going to be able to do about making the track e- easier to pass or anything of that nature. But we did see some drivers being able to find a few spots where they could successfully make that lunge or they actually turned them into passing places. Do you go back and look at the videotape and, and study that part of it to see where you think there might be new opportunities or other opportunities that weren't necessarily capitalised on immediately? Yeah, definitely. I've been watching footage uh, all week, you know, whether it be an onboard lap from qualifying or the opening lap of the race and then watching uh, the actual race itself from last year. I find it helps with, with understanding the strategy a little bit better as well when you go to an event again, just to refresh your memory on what, what others did and, and even what I did and what seemed to work for me. The, the qualifying lap, certainly watching some footage helps there and it's, uh, I definitely haven't forgotten how crazy it is. I watched that first, the first time I watched an onboard lap around there again, I remember pretty quickly, but overtaking was something that was tough last year and, uh, the races were exciting nonetheless, but it was, it was really not a place that, um, encouraged overtaking, but there was still, uh, the few that found, found places and, yeah, I think that that, there was a few places that some were overtaken that was surprising. I think even, going in this year it's, it's something that I'm open-minded to that they're definitely uh, corners where I want to try it but the opportunity is going to have to present itself but other than that I mean it, it strategy seemed to play a big part last year and for us I think it was Saturday I, I pitted lap one and with good car speed we came through but other than that I think it was a, a pretty tough place to get on. Do you think drivers will be braver this year? Maybe maybe more confident um, I mean Usually going to a place for the first time when it's like Newcastle is, is when you see um, mistakes creep in and people trying to find the limit. I think now that we've been there once, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we saw last year, obviously, the top of the championship of errors, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, mate. I think we'll have to just wait and see. It's the street circuit, so I'm sure something will go down. It's interesting that uh, not only have... You've had a, a lot of changes in twenty. 20- 18. Uh, what's it been like and how have you seen the Walkinshaw and Andretti United, I call it the football club, come together with the, the management structure and everything? Yeah, well, we've seen obviously the on-track performance uh, improve since, since this uh, partnership has sort of come to, come to fruition, I guess. I think it's going to be a, a long-term project. We saw it with uh, Penske, you know, it wasn't something they did in the first year and and could definitely see where it was headed and uh, and I feel like we're very much in the same position. Um, we've got a lot of work to do. Obviously, we've seen this year, even with the progression we've made, we're not consistently in the top five and that has to be the target. So next year, really, we need to, to step it up again. You've obviously got to see that Penske change firsthand. Were there similarities in what happened at uh, at your team this year? Definitely similarities, yeah, for sure. In your racing life, you've normally been a professional race driver full-time. This Mm -hmm. year, though, you uh, had to do double duties. You started your own media company. How has that changed your life and your perspective on racing? Um, It's uh, it's been something, I guess, I've been searching for for a while. Uh, 
you know, my, my dad was a truck driver and my mum still works um, full-time now. And uh, it's definitely a, a culture that I was brought up in, in, in the fact that you work and, and uh, you know, you get up every day and go to work. So I think for, for four or five years there when I was, you're racing full-time, but uh, we all know that obviously there's 17 race weekends a year. We're, we're limited on testing and, uh, and we're not doing appearances or, or able to be in the shop every single day of the week. So there's plenty of downtime. And um, and for me, it was something that I, I got to the point where I, I probably wasn't enjoying it as much. The pressure of racing, you know, was was always there with with contracts and things. And and you know, you obviously get to a point where you realise you're you're getting older. And and in the next ten or fifteen years, I'd like to have something that I could step into outside of motorsport and and uh, and also refine. For me, the big thing was. Um, finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing. And that's really what's changed this year, you know, with the, with uh, having something in the background running along really well. It's meant that uh, even though I'm being paid to race cars and, and do it professionally, I'm actually looking at it more so now as, as my hobby. And, um, you know, I think that I'm able to be much more focused um, on my performance and, and things behind the scenes with racing uh, rather than, than being stressed out with, you know, what contract was going to come next and what was happening. And, you know, I think that that's something now that uh, if my driving continues to improve, and I'm sure it will, then, you know, that, those things take care of themselves. But um, I think we see it plenty of times with professional athletes with all that spare time. It, it, um, it's not constructive, you know, and that's, that's kind of how I felt. So starting the media company was great for me. Um, and it's it's uh, given me a bit of a creative outlet, which I didn't realise I think was so big in me. You know, it's something I really am passionate about. But uh, I think you know my focus on racing now is is much much better, and I'm back to you know loving it and um, enjoy going racing on weekends and and coming back and going to work like everybody else nine to five during the week. Mm. Now I've spoken to your teammate James Courtney and uh, and other drivers who said actually not living in the same state as the team I'm in has has had a, a similar sort of thing for them because when you get to the shop, they said we come, we used to come down, we'd get into the shop and then the whole team is around you and they're really 100% focused in on you because they know that's their only time to, to you know, get one-on-one with you. Is that a similar sort of experience you're having? No, I mean, I'm completely opposite with that, my opinion on, Living near the race team is uh, is obviously very different. That's why I moved from Queensland to Melbourne to be with the team. And um, I think that knowing the dedication to the race team is, is number one. And I think that um, being accessible to the team, especially when they want to be uh, be doing things, and sometimes these these things develop. You know, uh, whether it be just sitting in the race car to try things for them, they they come up spur of the moment. And being accessible to the team, being able to go in them um, on a weekly basis and, and catch up with the guys. Is important, you know. It's not. Uh, I always look at it like I don't want to go in there just when I need it. It's nice to go in and actually catch up with them because at the end of the day, we we spend seventeen weekends a year with these blokes, and um, you know they become a you know an extended family, and I think that's how it should be. So for me, I'm a, a real strong believer on wherever I, um, you know, whichever team I drive for, then I want to live as close as possible to just build that relationship and and um, you know go away racing with friends as much as as colleagues. All right, talking about the uh, media side of you now. Yeah, where where did the idea come from? How did that germinate, and how did it then progress into being a business? 
Uh, last year, I was early last year, I was messing about with um, filming some content for myself, I guess, for social media, and and I enjoyed um, editing um, clips and things for, for people, and and I kind of just started out as a hobby, I guess, and it was something that that grew from there pretty quickly, and I think a few people liked what I was making, and uh, and I had them contact me and asked if you know, hey, could you come and make this video for me? And at the time, I was like, well, I, you know. I, I'm making it myself. It's not something I'm actually doing. It's not not a business. Um, and enough people showed interest that that uh, I put on a couple of employees and and put a, a team together that now go off and cover um, events, uh, work for you know race teams in pit lane now, not just my own, and uh, and also working on now a couple of uh, potential TV series next year, which is great. But it really grew pretty quickly just through. Uh, some interest that I, I got from people that saw my videos I was making for myself, um, and uh, and yeah, this year has been been a, a really fun time. What I found interesting though is you you haven't just done a media business in motorsport. You've been getting contracts with quite a diverse range of sports. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, and not only sport, but also just in the event side of things. But um, yeah, I think for us growing up, you get your, you know, you go and you you look for sponsors and things for racing, and there's certainly a lot of skills that that I probably didn't realise I had learned through racing, and that's that's the great thing about sport is you do end up you end up picking up a lot of skills that you know you might not necessarily have. have yeah, for me, I didn't go to college or to university, so I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't learn these skills there. But it doesn't mean um, in hindsight now that I've missed out on those skills. I think that. You know, I've been dealing with with partners and things for a long time, and doing proposals and stuff like that. And I think um, the way I present myself has worked well. And the fact that when I go now to a, approach a company and look at their their content or, or marketing side of things, then I have something to offer and help. And at the end of the day, I've been doing my own marketing now for ten or twelve years. And uh, and with the the creative side of things, it's something that um, I've kind of found, and I really enjoy, and I'm passionate about. It. I spend a lot of time learning and uh and i did that last year i probably put um 40 or 50 hours a week last year for six months or so just into learning how to edit and uh and things like that and put together storylines and that's something that i think now when i do the odd video for someone um word of mouth is getting around and and you know we're we're now we just um shot some footage in the u.s which was great with one of the nba players um and you know we've also done some stuff with Queensland Rugby League, so some big names there, and, and I think we've we've gotten a bit of traction based off of the quality of, of the work. And I, I found it fascinating when we've been talking throughout the year, and you said it's almost cathartic getting into an editing studio and locking yourself away just to do that. It is, yeah. And, I mean, at uh, uh, many people will probably think that it's a distraction for me and uh, I should be solely focused on racing, but, uh, you know, Grand Prix didn't tell anyone until after, but the Friday night I was back in my office in Melbourne, just wanted to go back and do some editing to switch off from the track. And I went back in for a couple of hours on Friday night, obviously Saturday came out and got my win. And I think, you know, my mind frame this year is certainly different to what it's been in the past. And, uh, you know, I've missed, missed that a little bit with racing and, and, you know, I think that, um, it's nice to, to look at it more as, my passion and um, I'm fortunate enough that I can do it as a job. But at the same time, I love to be able to come in on a Monday and switch off from whatever happened, 
um, I looked at this, you know, I was looking at sports, speaking to other athletes. We're not like AFL or, or other um, codes where we can have a bad weekend or a bad night, bad game and pick up the ball the next day and go and try again. We've got to wait potentially three, four weeks before we can have another shot. And I think that was what was making it difficult for me. You know, you have a bad weekend, you think about it for three weeks, whereas now I can, can kind of switch off from that. So I encourage others to certainly find something um, which which helps them too. And uh, I, I guess that's where you can get inside your own head in those long periods. And you might not have had a particularly bad weekend, but something happened that you just uh, fixate on for, you know, that two or three week period. Exactly. And it's probably something most people don't even realise that they're in and not everyone's the same. For me, this is just how I felt. And certainly it was something that I wanted to, to uh, you know, find something else outside the sport and everyone else goes to work nine to five. So I thought, um, you know, why, why should I be any different? I need to be constructive as well and doing stuff with my time. And I'm young, I'm 28 years old. There's no reason why um, I can't be doing multiple things. And, um, you know, until... Until my racing suffers from whatever I'm doing outside that, then then I'll keep doing it. But at the moment, um, I'm loving my racing more than ever and, um, yeah, pretty happy. Now, uh, driver appearances at uh, a lot of functions, they do take up quite a bit of time. Uh, I think at one stage there, Frosty was doing a hundred and something a year. How do you, how did you balance that part of the business? Um, well, it's, it's not too bad. I mean, I have a manager that runs one nine as well and, um, that was really initially I put that straight away in place so that I could go away to racing and uh, and the business wouldn't wouldn't stop operating um, and uh, you know whenever there's an appearance or anything I know well in advance when it's coming up and I lock myself out for that day and ensure that if there's anything happening then we have someone else to cover it um, but you know racing comes first so that's always um, my priority but the the appearances I mean. They're not. Uh, they're not usually full days or anything like that. You're looking at might be might be an hour or two hours here and there. It's not um, not like you're you're out for a day. And even when you're travelling, you're normally in and out the same day. So it's not too bad. Mm. And what's been the coolest project that you've worked on at One Nine? Uh, I think just recently, what well, uh, it's it's not um, released yet, but it's something we're working on, which was um, yeah, shooting in the US with with Aaron Baines. Um, was was very cool going to the, you know, sending a crew over to the filmed at the Boston Celtics facility and everything like that was, was something very special. So um, I hope that uh, that next year I can get over there as well. Unfortunately, we were racing actually at Taylor Bend on the same weekend that my crew was in the US. So um, that's probably been the, the best thing that we're working on at the moment. But certainly the Queensland Rugby League um, at the start of the year was was our first real real big project, first campaign that we did, and um, that actually won their campaign of the year. So that's very special for me. Mm. And how did you make these contacts? Do you, like I know uh, at one stage there, uh, Walkinshaw had a holding relationship with the NRL, but uh, where did you make these contracts and contacts? And you know, how do you get to an NBL star? Um, it was all just. Uh, contacts that I you know meet along the way whether it be other athletes or people you work with um, at sponsors that either at the same sponsor or have moved on and sponsor touch with others and um, you know word of mouth mate is a, a big thing there's nothing wrong with picking up the phone mm. well it's certainly been a, an interesting journey for you this year and as we said at the top best season ever in inside the race car so obviously you've you've found that balance and the team has uh, has become 
you know, that hand in glove type uh, relationship that you need. Yeah, exactly. No, thank you, mate. Many changes for 2019, do you think? Um, not sure there will be. There always is. This is not, a, you know, it's a sport where we have to always be evolving and moving forward. And we, we see on weekends, mate, Saturday um, and Sunday are not often the same race winner. So it shows that uh, even if you win on Saturday, you've got to do something for Sunday. So I'm sure that 2019 will offer up plenty of new challenges. You're going to lose many guys on your car because the churn rate now in supercars is, is becoming quite high on mechanics and, and staff. Um, no, I don't think so. I think we're, we're in a fortunate position. Um, not a fortunate position, but we're, I guess we're, we're just fortunate that a lot of our guys have been there for a very long time and are passionate about going racing. Um, yeah, I think that we've just got a good bunch of guys that like competing as well, mate. And they've, like I said, you know, my, my engineer, for instance, is 28 years this year. So with the same team, um, it's something that's pretty impressive. So I think for us, we don't really have a high staff turnover. Um, it, you know, I think we're just looking at adding to, the group we've got at the moment. Well, Scott, all the best this weekend at Newcastle and look forward to seeing how uh, your 1-9 media projects roll on uh, over the summer months. Great. Thanks, mate. Cheers. There's more after the break here on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back, and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Well, welcome back to Inside Supercars. This is, well, there's been a lot of talk about a guy retiring at the end of the Newcastle race, but there is another person who said he's hanging up his full-time helmet, and that's Tim Blanchard of the Cool Drive Commodore. And uh, it's great to have Tim join us on the line. It's... Uh, Probably you're not getting the same sort of fanfare and attention as the other bloke. Uh, no, no, I think uh, that's probably be to ex- probably to be expected with uh, you know the amazing career Craig's had. So uh, I'm happy to play second fiddle to uh, Craig this week. That's for sure. But you know you've pretty much guaranteed yourself to be in trivia questions from now to the end of millennia. Who was the other guy that retired in Newcastle or? <laughs> or Name the two drivers that retired at Newcastle, and uh, of course, uh, only the hardcore fans will remember the uh, second part. Yeah, of I think there'll be a, a three pointer to get that one correct. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all in all, how do you reflect on these? What is it? Four years now at the top level? Yeah, five, five years. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of mixed emotions. I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, racing supercars full time and. But uh, yeah, it's, everyone kind of says to you before you when you're in the junior categories that the step up will be much harder than you expect. And uh, you kind of when you're bit when you're younger and you're probably a bit naive and you bring everything in the junior categories, you're like, oh, you know, you, you'll be fine when you get there. But yeah, it is very tough, and I think uh, it just shows how strong the competitive series is these days. That you have people come like into the series with great pedigree and, and still struggle. What has been your highlight? Um, yes, yeah, a number number of highlights, I guess, over the years. So, 
Um, Sharing the car with David, David Reynolds uh, in the endurance races, probably before I was full-time, that was a really exciting uh, period, and uh, we had some good results at, at uh, Phillip Island and probably were in a good shot for a solid result at Bathurst in 2011. Then uh, from, from my career, I guess, yeah, eight to the Sandown 500 and with LDM was uh, pretty pretty exciting. Like, you know, I don't think anyone really rated us as a top 10 chance and we weren't there through luck. We were genuinely there on pace all day and, yes, that was a pretty good highlight. And what about now when you when you think, oh, I've got one more race as a full-time regular driver under normal circumstances, of course? Um, yeah, I, I guess that's something I've been thinking about for a while, so it was no surprise to me. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's so it's kind of been business as usual for me, I guess. But then, yeah, this this week it's a bit different, kind of back in the CKs going, oh, this is the last time I'm going as a full-time driver. So, you know, next year when I go, it'll be in a, wearing a very different hat and I'll be packing different different clothes and... Cause, and and uh, going into the race, we're giving a very different approach. What What do you reckon will be the adjustment you have to make? How, you know, are you going to pursue a, uh, a a career in any other sort of racing, or pr- pursue the hobby? I guess. Um, yeah, I'll still do the endurance races, and one of the the reasons for stepping down from driving is I. I want to, you know, be successful in in uh, supercars and get a, get some good results. So I thought the best way to to do that was to to be a co-driver. So I'm looking to try and move into a good seat for the next few years and uh, yeah, see see how we go from there. So there's no guarantee you'll be racing in your own car. Uh, not necessarily. So I'm I'm pretty open to whatever. Like, um, you know, with it's kind of getting a balancing act by doing what's best for the, for the team and, and then also what's best for myself. So if those two don't line up, I'm not, not set in stone. Okay. Now, uh, it's probably a good idea, a, a good time to be uh, stepping away from full-time driving when you own your own team because there's quite a few good, strong drivers who were not got drives next year and, and then, of course, your name or your team's name has been linked with someone like uh, Macaulay Jones, who's looking for the step up. Um, yeah, there's uh, quite a few good good drivers on the market. We've kind of got a got a shot list, uh, two or three that we're kind of watching very closely and very interested in. And uh, yeah, well, hoping to have some news on which which one of those two or three will be in the, the coming weeks. Do you have a preference on? Uh, whether you want to go for an established driver or a um, or a new young driver, um, I wouldn't say as a preference. It's, it's whether it's experience to, uh, I guess, a rookie. Uh, it's more about the, the people that we can feel we can build a team around, and you know we're, we're looking to build a team over the next few years and build a culture and processes, and we want people that fit fit what we're looking for, not. Not so much, uh, not too fast on the experience side of it. We just want people that fit what we're trying to achieve. Does the role driving for a team like yours, where obviously at the moment it's cool drive racing, but that's can change. Uh, I imagine if uh, you can get the right sponsorship and, and the right deals together, but does 
a driver need to be someone who can be, say, a brand ambassador for Cool Drive in the first instance? Um, yeah. Well, next next year definitely the the car is going to be in Cool Drive colours. So, um, you know, and that, that's our pro, you know, plan going forward for the next few years. So, we're looking for someone that fits the Cool Drive brand as our name right sponsor. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's probably one of the key criteria to fill the role. And with a, and then I guess that's where I'm coming from with the, the established over the young driver. The established gives a better brand recognition for Cool Drive, which might not be the best long-term decision for what you want to achieve in the race team. Um, yeah, well, we we want to uh, you know we want to see our car further up the grid, so we you know needs needs to be someone we think something do that, and but we also you know want people that. A driver that can go and talk to our customers, our staff, and interact with them, and make them feel part of the team. So that's a very key important part of it. And you know, just the the, the I guess how how much of a fan following that driver has isn't necessarily the, the key key factor in it. So how are you going to keep your hand in? Uh, not sure at the moment. So you know, at the moment I'm just focused on getting our supercar program in place for next year and. That's my priority, and uh, you know, I'll, anything that pops up, I'll, I'll jump at. But I'm not. Wouldn't say uh, it's one of one priority at this stage. Yeah, interestingly, we spoke just before the break to um, Scotty Pye, who this year has been his first year where he hasn't been a professional racing driver as such, where that's his only uh, occupation. He started his. Mm-hmm media company and uh, has mm. been doing double duties and he said that has improved his uh, racing having that other interest yeah. did you ever have a time where you didn't work and race uh, no no <laughs> that's uh, probably been a bit of a dream of mine just being a, a race car driver but uh you know that's, that's part of the game you know i um, always had to, to work in the business and and, uh, you know, that was just the way it was. So it was a fairly challenging, challenging role because, you know, it's still you know, a reasonably sized business. So you have a number of people that rely on you from a day-to-day aspect and, you know, you can't just like go up and walk away for a week or like in any business. But so, you know, you always got, got that demand on it and it, it's not relevant to, to racing. So just because you're away racing doesn't mean the demand on your time isn't there. And I guess that's something that uh, we've seen Paul Dumbrell have to manage throughout his career, and and uh, ultimately he made the decision business over racing. Uh, yeah, I think uh, he was in a very similar situation to myself, and uh, he'd probably be the first to admit that it is is a challenging thing. It's something that's not impossible to manage, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. It requires a very good support network around you, and and I think, you know, at some point in, in your life, in your career, you need to kind of think what's what's best for the next next phase of my life and what, where I'm going to be long-term. And I think for PD, he kind of obviously made the decision to uh, step back from a full-time role a few years ago, and I'm probably, you know, a few years behind him in, in the same, same kind of process. Mm. Have, have you got your eyes set on anything overseas to do as a one-off, like a Lamar or any of those sort of races? Because from memory, you did race overseas uh, years ago. Yeah, yeah, I raced over in Europe and did Formula Ford and a few things over there. So I'd love to get back over to the 
over to Europe and do, do some racing at some of those critical tracks. And but like I said, you know, the next year or two, my focus I'll do a little bit of stuff to keep my eye in, but focus is to get the, the supercar team up and running, get it running the way I want, and then then hopefully I can spend a bit of time and try and do some of the European sort of GT racing that I'm interested in. Now, uh, going to Newcastle, second year there, I asked Scott Pye the same question. Do you think drivers will be braver this year on the circuit? Uh, yeah, yeah, potentially, I guess. You know, last year was the great unknown, so everyone's probably, especially on the Friday, tiptoeing around, trying to get their head around, and it's a very bumpy, um, I guess, tricky track. So, so I think people built up to it a bit last year, whereas this year... Everyone knows what to expect and be going in full steam ahead. And, you know, from first practice session, they're going to be having a crack. <laughs> it's certainly going to be an interesting one. How have you balanced being able to do the driving and practice and training in and around a full-time business? How, how did you manage that? Um, yeah, it's, like I said, it's, it's pretty, pretty tricky, but I have a, you know, I have a, I guess a set program and I have to delegate, you know, a lot of the tasks to people and, you know, it's just, you kind of have to be fairly organized and pretty, pretty strict in terms of how you prioritize things. And, you know, I was always pretty, pretty careful to make sure that, you know, the racing was a priority, but, you know, I also delegated any important decisions or gave the people around me the ability to make the important decisions if I wasn't there. So yeah, it was a kind of a challenging aspect to, the racing and the, the balancing the two, you know, it took took a while to probably get on top of it, and I kind of feel like the last year or two, I probably managed a lot better than I have, but in the past, but yeah, the business continues to grow and go, go well, so it's taking up more and more demand as it, as the business grows. And do you think you'll be able to enjoy this weekend? Um, yeah, I think so. So, uh, you know, uh, I think there's. Yeah, you, you never really sit back and relax in a supercar race. You, know, you, you can't because you'd be uncompetitive. So, yeah, I still want to go out and do do a really good job and get get a good result. And you know, I don't don't want to leave any stone un, unturned. I, you know, I don't want to sit back in the five, five years' time and say I didn't have a proper crack in my last race. So, have it and go. But obviously, you know, on the championship battle, last full time race, you, know, you can kind of have a have a bit more fun with it. Well, Tim, we do hope you get to enjoy it and uh, perhaps get that podium that you've been uh, looking for here as uh, a final swan song. Yeah, let's hope so. Thank you. I don't know what the odds are on a uh, a Lowndes Blanchard podium, but uh, I reckon they'd be pretty good. Yeah, I think that'd be a a good one to take. (laughs) Tim, have a great time. Uh, Thank you. A final thought with Tony Whitlock returning after the break on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every every year I see Jackie Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of of his part in in starting the the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Final thoughts, Craig. I'm certainly just going to kick off here with... uh thinking about uh, this weekend and what a great season it's been. 
remarkably good season and considering that they all from uh, one model of Commodore to a new model uh, it's been remarkable that they've continued to have the same success not remarkable really because they're a very strong team other teams have shown um, uh, Walkinshaws, Erebus um, uh, who else? Walkinshaws, Erebus have shown that, that form with the ZB so no real surprise there but it's been a great season Plenty of good form also shown by, you know, for instance, Scotty Pye having his best year. Um, Nissan, Rick Kelly possibly having his best ever year. Um, the introduction of uh, five uh, rookies this year and really strong performances from uh, Jack LeBrock, uh, Anton Di Pasquale in particular, who, who both shone in their own way. Your thoughts on that, Craig? Yeah, my thought is a lot of people have talked about, oh, Triple Eight have done so well with the uh, new ZB, but let's let's put it in perspective. They won the championship when they changed from Holden to Ford, uh, Ford to Holden. Uh, sorry, no, they didn't. They won the championship when they built the new Ford. They came second in the championship when they built the new Holden uh, to one of their cars, one of their own cars at Dick Johnson's. They then won it the next year. They go out and present a new VE Commodore the following year and win. Uh, they then, you know, have time and time again have been able to successfully build a brand new car and bring it up to not just race winning speed but championships winning speed in, you know, zero time, zero, zero, um, <laughs> zero. Uh, lead time almost on getting it to that level of performance whether they win or lose the championship this year I think is immaterial to the work that they've done in as much as being able to bring it and I guess they've won the team's championship which highlights that fact even even more so so uh, yeah I, I think a lot of the time we forget the history all very very quickly as to the rookies though I think uh, Gee, what a year! 2018 is going to be remembered in uh, in five or ten years' time, when these guys are the uh, faces that you see every weekend battling it out for uh, race wins. Indeed, and and certainly uh, Anton has showed with his uh, Bathurst top ten um, and a number of really great performances. Uh, Jack LeBrock. Obviously, a single car team in what was uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and Will Davison's seat, but uh, Jack has uh, acclimatised the series and is the top scoring at this point. Probably for the for the year, the uh, top scoring rookie can certainly be very proud of what he's achieved there. We still yet to learn as to what uh, Techno are going to be doing next year. Of course, Adrian has uh, moved on. Um, he's going to be joining Supercars as technical and motorsport director. Um, so they're going to be looking for a new uh, team manager um, and uh, and they haven't confirmed as to what direction they're going on driver. So that'll be another interesting point. But these things will all pan out probably at the weekend uh, at Newcastle. I'm only 50 k's from the track and I'm certainly looking forward to catching up with a bunch of people this weekend there. Yes, and uh, the noise in the background is the uh, local fast food vendor that you've uh, pulled over to uh, do the show with. Indeed. Well, that's it for another week of Inside Supercars. So thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to giving you a post-mortem on this year's 2018 Virgin Australia Supercar Championship.
Thanks from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.